0: It's Carcon Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Carcon Carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Oslo. We're live. It's Carcon Carne in quarantine. It's Quarantine Con Carne. I'm James Van Oslo. Right there, that's Jace from Church Street Brewing over oh, yes. in Itasca. Good evening, Jace. Good evening. I, I want you get an award. You get a medal for tonight. We have gone through so many technology hoops just to be here. I am very <laughs> proud of I feel like we we've, we've been through the war together. Like we've been we've been in, sure. so, been through and seen so much together and now we Already. are together. Talking yeah. about Church Street. You know, I set out this week initially to do a week of independent breweries and I'm going to push that mostly to next week. But the idea being you guys have been slugging it out. It's been really tough through the pandemic. And I want to just remind people that you exist and sure. uh, talk about the brewery. So, without even bearing the lead, Church Street Brewing is at 1480 Industrial Drive in Itasca. Yeah. And to get beer to go to your place and, and run away with a four pack, what do they need to do? What are the hours? What are, what are, the, what
1: are uh, So. Uh, since the patio just opened they um they could either come in and grab a four pack to go or actually we are doing patio service right now so um we're open every day from noon to eight except for sundays which is noon to six you can either go to our online store just go to our website and hit order beer and pick it up uh we do deliveries and shipment as well so you can even if you don't want to get out of the house you can still get our beer or just if it's a nice day out you can come out and Enjoy the patio.
0: Love it. And your title is sales manager?
1: Sure. Sales sure. manager.
0: <laughs> That's not even an independent brewery. The titles are kind of fluid. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, what are that pay, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. You wear a lot of hats. Um, really, before I came on board, Lisa was doing, Lisa Greger is our, our owner. We're an all-female-owned and operated brewery. Um, one of the few ones out there. Uh, and she was doing everything. And so when I came on board, uh, anything she couldn't get to is then what I, what I started doing. So at the beginning, that was a lot of sales, uh, outside sales, uh, helping manage festivals, tasting, stuff like that. And then we hired, uh, some really good people to help on that end. And then, um, I started taking over the tap room and, uh, everybody there has been, been great, trained well, um. And so now we're moving towards our expansion. And so right now I am Jace demolition expert. Sweet. Oh, yeah.
0: So tell me about the expansion. I've been to your place. I mean, there's clearly room to grow. Oh, yeah.
1: So when, yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, We started eight years ago, and eight years ago, uh, tap rooms were really kind of a gray area, um, legally. Uh, people really didn't, I guess governments didn't realize um, that people would want to show up to a manufacturing place, a production place, and want to sample the product without having an in-between buyer. You don't go to the Ford dealership. Uh, well, you go to a Ford dealership to buy a, a Ford. You don't go to the the, the manufacturing plant. Um, so it's kind of weird, I guess, for them to realize how they wanted to tax you, because that's really what holds back laws, right? right. Like, yeah. how am I going to get my money out of it? Um, so once they realized that they could Taxed us efficiently. Then tap rooms just started popping up everywhere. Um, but we were we were just before that. So we're a big production brewery, a huge 30-barrel brewery with 16 30-barrel fermenters. We can make a lot of beer. Uh, we make beer for ourselves. We do a lot of contract brewing. Uh, and the tap room really was an afterthought. Uh, so there was just four little tables there. And um, we've really grown a lot since then. Uh, and if you've ever come in, when you walk in, it really has that feel of like oath the same thing when you walk in there's a couple of places you could stand or sit but then it's really you're just in the brewery yep. um yep. yeah <laughs> and and same with the location uh, i remember when i was first going to solomoth their parking lot was still gravel uh so you know getting there you're like where am i going same with us we have people all the time they'll call and go yeah i think i'm here and you're like well just follow the signs, you know, we have to have them posted on all the other buildings um, to try to get people in. But what we're doing now is uh, the tenants that were in the building we, that we shared the building with have moved out. So we're taking over their space. And we're just creating a much larger tap room, uh, adding a kitchen, a barrel room, a lab, uh, a to go sales area, just a lot of a lot more room, really. And that's a lot to oversee oh yeah sure absolutely and we really were you know in the last two years that i've been there we've had parties that had 1200 people show up Uh, we do a lot of huge events Uh, we held our own beer festival so we're used to the amount of people but now we actually have the space so that everybody can kind of enjoy themselves and not be bumping into one another
0: well when you turn right on to uh, industrial drive you're like is this the right area? Am I going to the right place? Oh no, exactly. this is exactly the right place.
1: Yeah, all there. the way back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. That's another thing. Like, um, you know, we don't have some of the privileges other breweries have of being on Main Street and uh and actually being a little bit smaller too. So you really don't have to have as many people coming in and drinking your beer to go through it. We're a huge production facility, so we have to sell our beer out of state, across the country. And then we also need a ton of people to come to the tap room to really push that beer and get new and better beers all the time. Because uh, we can't just make, you know, five barrels of like this new, cool, interesting beer that may or may not work. Can't do that because you have to make a 30 barrel batch of beer, you know, it's going to be successful and uh, and really help hope people really like it. So, it's
0: so how, have a things been, how have things been in 2020 through the pandemic?
1: So. Um, <laughs> Actually, I was in Belgium when everything locked down. So Lisa was really kind of freaking out. She didn't have a right hand man with her. And she knew that when I came back, I'd have to be in lockdown for two weeks. Um, During those two weeks, her husband, who's a chemical engineer, came up with a way of making hand sanitizer the same way we kind of make our beer. Um, Well, not the same way, but using the same equipment. Uh, So we started to produce that. Meanwhile, I'm at home for two weeks and I'm really setting up the infrastructure of how to sell it. So our online store, which before nobody was really buying four packs online and then coming and picking them up. That just wasn't a thing. And now all of a sudden we needed to have that as an option. So setting all that up took a little while. And once we got up and running, it was a huge success. We actually sold more in beer, dollar per dollar, than we did in the weeks before, the lockdown. So we, we really had a lot of people show their support for us. And it's also, it's interesting, right? You're not just going to get one, four pack, you're going to get two or three. Um, so you're thinking you're buying 12 beers, but if you were to visit us on a normal day, you'd buy maybe two, you know, unless you're there for a party and you're really kind of getting crazy, uh, you might limit it to just a couple. So every customer that came in was actually spending a little bit more than they would on a normal visit, which helps. Um, and then we just had a lot of people, we had some people donating. Uh, we had some people that were just like, throw whatever merch you have up on the internet and we'll we'll buy it, we'll buy gift cards. Just, we saw a lot of support, which is really good to see, because we, uh, before all this, we would host every week, every Wednesday, we would do like a charity Wednesday where 20% of the profits, pro, pro profits, what is that? Profits, proceeds and pro, profits, uh, would go to a local charity. Um, so we, we really always felt like we were very tied to the community and always like to give back. And then when we needed help, all those people came out and supported us. So it was really good to see.
0: And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do a lot for independent breweries. That that sense of community, being part of the community. it, it It's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lisa has lived in Itasca for 40 years. I mean, it's, her all of her kids went to school there they swam for itasca i mean they they're part of the community so
0: and itasca on its own pretty small suburb but you're surrounded by yeah. schaumburg and addison and lots oh, of yeah. bigger yeah. communities that i'm sure
1: absolutely yeah a lot of the uh, so Schomburg's real big up north we get a lot of people from schaumburg elk grove uh a lot of where we're at though they're kind of like the really nice golf places so you have like medina's right there um Bloomingdale is right there uh Woodridge stuff like that Itasca Um, so they're all just kind of smaller but known for kind of being that way you know more golf and I don't know not as much big city stuff
0: let's talk a little bit about the beer uh the one I'm holding right here Devil's Advocate uh if you drink a four pack of this your night's over (laughs) (laughs)
1: I, I, yeah, whenever I first started working at the brewery, that was my favorite beer. I love Belgian Ales. Uh, That one actually won fourth best Belgian beer in the world in um, last year, 2019. So that's pretty impressive. We were the only American brewery to make the list of the top 10. And so that was, that was pretty good. And that's by beer connoisseur. They put out the top 250 beers um, in the world every year. So I was drinking that and I realized that I had to switch to something that was a little bit lighter one night when I was, you know, kind of doing this on the way home. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, that's not good. Um, and then I started taking it home with me and then I would wake up naked on the couch going, what the hell happened? <laughs> Cause it is just, we make a lot of beer that we call crushable. Um, mm-hmm. We just want you to be able to enjoy multiple of them. And we do a lot of light lagers. So again, um, just real light crushable beers, but they can really sneak up on you. Um, the worst one right now, well, not the worst, but the one that will sneak up on you the most right now is our new lay. It's a Baltic Porter, which a lot of people don't realize is actually a lager. So we add that to our our set of lagers, which we we do a ton of lagers. A lot of other breweries don't do that. Um, they're a little bit harder. They take a little bit longer. But the lay is a dark Baltic Porter. It's nine and a half percent, but it drinks – kind of like a Schwarzbier. It, it drinks just kind of like a black lager. Um, so when you drink it, it just kind of tastes like our Hellas with coffee. And you have one of those and oh, man, yeah, you're, you're out for the count. So
0: a safer bet, a, kind of a gateway beer would probably be sure. Heavenly Hells, right?
1: Yeah, the Heavenly Hellas. It's won Chicago's best, I think, four times in the last eight years that we've that we've had it. It was one of our first beers. It's the the oldest beer that we continue to make uh, hasn't had a whole lot of changes um, over the past eight years. But yeah, definitely, that's what kind of people knew us for. Um, they still do. Uh, whenever I came on board two years ago, we definitely were looking for a for a facelift. And so we redid, we moved everything to cans. We redid all of our artwork, um, like you can see on yours. Instead of just being a, a red label, it's, an, it's a great artwork. And we wanted to push our beers. Too. Yeah, sure. Because I, really I, I,
0: the, the aesthetic oh. of what's on your cans, I think, helps sell the beer. You've
1: oh, yeah. We, kind of we realized that. You have to think, eight years ago, there were 30 craft breweries. We were, like, one of the first 30 uh, craft breweries in all of Illinois, not just Chicagoland, but all of Illinois. So if you had craft beer on a shelf, it didn't matter what it looked like. Now you go to Benny's, and you're really arguing. You're really competing for space on that shelf. And when nobody knows you whatsoever – they have to be drawn to your can somehow, even if it's just to read what kind of beer it is. So, um, yeah, we, we definitely had to make that change. Uh, and then we started doing some beers that weren't so traditional because we were a very first, it was German traditional, then it was European traditional and then it was, okay, let's do American IPAs, but traditionally, um, but even though everything we do is very traditional, we don't really do a lot of lactose or, additives um, outside the tap room uh, where we'll kind of get a little nutty, uh, we, we have kind of invaded more areas of, of beer styles, which we used to not. So Hellas used to be the only thing we're known for. Now we had last year, like I said, the fourth best Belgian in the world. We had our Brucifer, which is an imperial hazy IPA that won Illinois's best hazy IPA. Our Oktoberfest, going back to the traditional Germans, it was voted uh, the best European lager, last year um, for Illinois. So a little bit of traditional, a little bit of new.
0: Uh, let's go back to the Brucefer, the IPA. What's the difference sure. between that IPA and little Lucy?
1: So they're ultimately very they're very similar. Brucefer is um, formerly known as Jucifer. But we uh, we were told we were no longer allowed to call it that by New Belgium. And then they sold like the next week. So we changed everything and then it it wouldn't have mattered. They even sent us a letter saying that they had discontinued Bruce Jucifer. So I don't know if they were rubbing it in or what, but we changed everything. And then uh, and then we realized, you know, 9.2 percent is a lot. And we wanted maybe a session version. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people are out there doing incredibly hop-forward beers that are that are light in alcohol. And so we made one that was just right at five percent, and that's the Little Lucy. And that actually, when it first came out, everybody who was so in love with the brews for at the at the brewery um, hated Little Lucy, right? Because it was watered down; it just didn't have the same flavor. But then after a couple of people were going home like this, you know, they they realize, okay, I'll switch over, and then it's become our most popular IPA. Uh, Medina Country Club uses it as their their uh, golf course Wait, IPA. Yeah, uh, the Schomburg Boomers, the baseball stadium, they use it as their house IPA. Um, even Medieval Times uses it as their house IPA. So it's it's a very it's a very versatile session hazy IPA that everybody just kind of likes.
0: Love it. All right, so. Jace, Church Street Brewing Company, righteously good beer. Uh, ChurchStreetBrew.com is the website, 1480 Industrial Drive. Patio is up and running. Congratulations. I'm sure that you are all very excited once you are able to Uh, do that. We
1: we loved it. Yeah, we loved having it open and actually being able to pour a draft beer. That was just something that you don't realize you miss until you don't do it for a while. And uh, to be able to pour it and hand it to somebody, even if you have gloves and a mask on, it was still pretty cool.
0: Love it. All right. Well, thanks for joining. Thank you, everybody who's been watching on Facebook Live. And uh, it is Karklin Carney. Thanks for having me.